BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, this is Work Party, a podcast for women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we tap experts on topics that matter most to the modern working woman, whether you are running the show or working your side hustle. We're bringing in leading female entrepreneurs to share their stories with you. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Negotiating for yourself or your business can feel confrontational and demanding but it's easy to see why we're intimidated. Women who negotiate oftentimes are called aggressive or bossy, but we're here to change that attitude. And here's why. Whether you're aware of it or not, you're constantly negotiating for yourself and your business every single day. And we're not just talking about a pay raise, although that is important. Think of all the times you did it just in this past week, whether it's a new hire, existing employees, sales prospects, long-term clients, vendors and suppliers, family and friends, You are negotiating all day, every day. And we get how intimidating it is. It's absolutely something that you get better at over time. For today's Work Party episode, I'm sitting down with Hollywood talent manager, Aline Kashishian, to talk about the art of negotiation. And trust me, she has experience. She has negotiated groundbreaking deals with the likes of Jennifer Aniston, Selena Gomez, Gwyneth Paltrow, Miranda Carr, just to name a few. In fact, She just closed the largest deal in TV history with the launch of The Morning Show on Apple TV. So we are so excited to have her here. Let's get right into it. Well, thank you so much for being here and being part of the show. We're so excited to have you. I'm so psyched. So we always like to start at the beginning and kind of hear about your story of obviously we know where you are now, but what was the road to get there? And what were some of those big milestones that ended you here in Los Angeles? Well, one of the things that um, I love telling people is that there's no one way. And um, each job I had, starting from the first one, led to the next thing. And I always tell people who who you work with the first time will literally um, dictate where you go from there. So my first job was as an intern for Juliet Taylor Casting in the early 90s. And I got the job because I had a friend who was a production assistant on this movie. And um, he knew that they were looking for an intern and suggested me. Um, And that was the most incredible experience because she was the most important casting director in the business. She worked with Martin Scorsese and um, Mike Nichols, Woody Allen, Nora Ephron, Steven Spielberg, Neil Jordan. 
incredible people. So learning from her and learning from her team, Laura Rosenthal, who now is a very successful casting director herself, was pretty incredible. And I made $5 a day. <laughs> and I remember taking, um, instead of taking the subway, which was $1.25, I'd walk 90 blocks. I loved it. At night, I would go and usher at all the plays so that I could find and bring new talent, two of whom were Billy Crudup, who now is my client, and um, Leah Schreiber. But that was really, really fun. Then she got me an internship on the Broadway show Streetcar Named Desire, which was with Alec Baldwin and Jessica Lange. That was an incredible experience where I met Gwyneth Paltrow, and she's now a client. And then uh, I had an experience that made me think, I feel more attached and attracted to the talent and taking care of them. When uh, Claire Danes was 12 and she didn't get the part we were casting and she was crying in our office after coming in five times. And I thought, maybe I should be a, a talent agent. And um, Woody Allen's agent is Sam Cohn, was Sam Cohn, who was the most important agent in New York um, and had really defined the business. I had an interview with him um, and because he had worked with me as Juliet's assistant at this point, and he was looking for a new agent. So he interviewed me, and I knew about every actor. I'd seen every play. He knew I had worked for Juliet, so he hired me. And on that day he hired me, I remember saying, okay, in six months, I'd love to be promoted. And he said, what are you talking about? You're an agent now. And I remember being terrified <laughs> because I had no idea how to be an agent. And I said, well, can I just train with you a little bit? And he said, oh, please. The job is to introduce one artist to another artist and create art. That's our profession. And that just seemed such a noble assignment to me and so exciting. And I said, well, will I just represent actors? Because that's what I know. And he said, no, you'll represent directors, writers, actors, any talent that you're excited about. That's what you'll do. So I did that at ICM, and I had 60 clients by the end. And I remember thinking, okay, there are too many clients. I have too many clients. Um, some directors, like Darren Aronofsky and Spike Lee and Baz Luhrmann, but mostly actors. And the first client I signed was Natalie Hirschlag, who became Natalie Portman. And it was because in Juliet's office, we were casting a movie that she didn't get. And um, the casting director on that movie for the little smaller parts suggested me to her and her parents. And I had no clients, it was day two. And I brought Sam to help me sign her. And um, that became my first client. And in the very first meeting, she said, I really wanna do a dance movie. I love dancing. And 10 years later, that became Black Swan. I represented Darren because I had gone to college with him, put them together, and that was really exciting. It was exactly what Sam had suggested. So you are still an, like when all this is happening, you were basically an assistant that just became an agent. So, yes. and again, all these names at the time are like up and coming. So you're like spotting this talent, putting it together. Um, one of the things I love is that, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to the fact that you're an assistant, you have the drive, you have the eye, all the things are sort of falling into place and you get this one opportunity. You're an agent now. How did you learn to navigate a job that you had truly like no experience in other than just kind of seeing what people did? Like, did you make mistakes? Like what, walk me through that experience. 
You know, it's so funny. I remember having a stomach ache for about three months every day. So the first day, I just found where the bathroom was. I mean, the stakes were so low. Problem one solved. Got it. Exactly. I had no idea what I was doing. But the the thing that I would suggest to anyone, when you enter those um, situations where you really don't know anything, find the one or two people that you respect, that you immediately feel know what they're doing and are great at it, and let them help you learn. Watch how they do it. So the two people for me were Sam Cohn Mm. in New York, obviously. And then we worked with L.A., and there was an agent named Steve Dantonville, and he was extraordinary at his job. So he gave me a lot of uh, rope, and he said, I remember my first movie that I helped cast was um, David O. Russell's Flirting with Disaster. Mm. So I suggested all of the clients of the agency after studying what they all their work, and um, Steve helped me do those deals for, I think it was Josh Brolin and Taya Leone who had got the parts. And so— That is the key, is finding those couple of people. Um, And then I ended up sharing a lot of clients with Steve. Um, I would work with them in L.A. He'd work with them in—I'm sorry, in New York. He'd work with them in L.A. And that was really, um, I think, the most important thing. And in casting, I learned from Juliet and Laura. And what was helpful with that is, as a casting director, you're you're buying. Um, A lot of agents are calling you to pitch their clients— but as a, an agent, you're selling. Mm. So what was really helpful for me is I kind of knew the tricks of who we liked, who we didn't like, who we listened to, wh- how, why. And so I was able to utilize that. Um, and from that, I became a manager when I basically thought, I have too many clients. And I remember thinking there were not a lot of great managers. There were far fewer than great agents. So I thought, okay, maybe that will be um, a place where I can actually carve carve a career. And I knew I had to move to LA at this point. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to. But I knew I needed to because I was working till midnight because of the time change. And I thought one day I'd like to have a family. Um, maybe I need better hours. And plus the the industry is primarily in LA. So how how long ago is this? Oh my God, this was 1999. Okay. Okay. So I made that decision and this is crazy. But at a premiere Rick Yorn, who was one of my favorite managers, um, we shared a couple of clients, said, I'm starting a new company. I need someone to run the talent department. Would you be interested? I completely was interested. Um, So that became my next job. And in 99, I moved to LA and I ran the talent department at AMG, which was owned by Rick and Mike Ovitz. And then after about six years, I think it was, um, Ovitz was bought out by Jeff Quatnitz, who was a very aggressive, well-known music manager. And I did that for about four years. And um, I remember asking Rick, let's leave and start our own company, just because I had kind of a different style and um, value system, I Mm -hmm. think, than Jeff. And he couldn't leave. His contract was still there. So I remember um, looking at the, the landscape, and a lot of management companies had come to me to say, come join. But I remembered Bernie Brillstein, who reminded me of Sam Cohn. He was pretty much the first manager um, that had a lot of success. He had discovered um, Jim Henson, Lorne Michaels. He worked with Gilda Radner and, and John Belushi and all the kind of great comedians and started this amazing company. And Brad Gray, who was his partner, had just left to run Paramount. So again, there was kind of a white space. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I can bring all my young talent there 
they could use that and I can work with somebody I trust and, and respect. So that became my next job for 10 years. And from that, I finally decided to start my own company. And that was almost four years ago. So each job led to the next job. Yes. And I didn't even have to work that hard. The, the key was the first job. Hey guys, it's Alyssa from Create and Cultivate. And I'm here to talk to you about acuity scheduling. Here at CNC, we are all about work hacks. Between planning events, recording podcasts, or prepping our next product launch, we are a super busy team. So any tools that make our work lives easier, we're all ears. Enter Acuity Scheduling, your virtual scheduling assistant. From the moment clients book, Acuity steps in to send booking confirmations, deliver text reminders, process payments, and more. Gone are the days of the annoying what time works for you email chains. With Acuity Scheduling, clients can view your availability in real time and book their own appointments, easily reschedule, and even pay online. Get notified anytime a new appointment is booked, check your schedule right from your phone, and even tell Acuity to automatically update the calendars you use, like Google, Outlook, iCloud, or Office 365. Keep your entire life in sync. This automation tool helps your day-to-day -day run smoother, so you can focus on the more important things, like hiring new staff or growing your business. Best of all, Acuity Scheduling can adapt to any business. It can accommodate multiple locations and employees, class bookings, private sessions, add-on sales, and even recurring subscriptions. If you're losing control of your busy schedule, visit acuityscheduling.com slash workparty. That's acuity, A-C-U-I-T-Y, scheduling.com slash workparty for a free 45-day trial of Acuity Scheduling. No credit card required. Hello, I'm Helen Johannesson, the owner of Helen's Wines in Los Angeles. This is Wine Face, my podcast that breaks down the ins and outs of wine to an easy, digestible, and more snackable level. We are dropping new episodes every Thursday. So grab a glass of wine, gather some friends, sink into the bathtub, or listen to me on the go. Every Thursday, Wine Face drops. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Can't wait to hear from you and for you to listen along. You know, we say a lot at Work Party, like, your reputation is your resume. And so clearly you had good relationships with all these people that, like, then ignited larger conversations, which changed your career trajectory, which I think is also par for the course. So for our listeners, can you define the difference between a manager and an agent? Just because I think, like, that's very inside baseball for Los Angeles. Yes. But, like, just so that they can understand, like, that transition. Yes. Um, basically, a, a manager has fewer clients and they do a lot more for them. So an agent's main job is to, at that time, now it's different, but is to look at films, television that are casting and bring those opportunities to the, the client and their manager. A manager's job is to look for those opportunities, but really think long-term of a career strategy long-term. And you also um, represent that talent in all aspects of their career. So as a writer, a director, um, a producer, all their brands, um, all their charitable um, endeavors, creating companies. And in the agency world, there are different agents for each of these lanes. Mm. So agents tend to, not always, by the way, there are some exceptions, but they tend to be experts in their field. So um, I represent Selena Gomez. There's a touring agent when she's going on tour. There's the music agent. There's the acting agents, the lit agents. Commercial. You know, digital. In other words, there are agents that do a specific thing. And so I, um, 
basically managers tend to have fewer clients and they do more for them, not to mention all the emotional, family, um, personal. (laughs) We're involved in all of those things. I think of it as a pyramid. The talent is at the top and we're kind of adjacent and then everything comes down. So if something goes wrong with their publicity, it's kind of our fault. Mm. We have to oversee all of these things. All the things. So you mentioned Selena Gomez, but also Jennifer Aniston, Gwyneth Paltrow, Miranda Kerr, Nina Dobrev, huge, huge, huge names. So can you take us now to present-day Lighthouse Management and Media and starting that company and what you learned along the way? Well, that was an interesting thing because it was a decision that was really hard for me to make because I loved the people I worked with, but I didn't own that company. So promoting people was not really my decision. I would fight to promote somebody that I thought was brilliant. Um, And I noticed that the industry was really changing. There was a lot more emphasis on social media, digital branding, endorsements. I wanted to be involved in music. Brillstein wasn't. So there was definitely fear of starting your own. But once I got over that fear, which my 12-year-old son at the time was really encouraging me and Mm. saying, mom, it's now or never. So I thought, (laughs) okay, how am I going to be a good example to my kids to take risks and go for it if I don't do it? So that was kind of the kick in the butt. When I started the company, one of the challenges was how many people are we going to have Um, Are we going to be a smaller company? Are we going to join forces with a lot of the companies that wanted to kind of partner? And I decided I wanted to create a culture and really start small and give everyone an opportunity to do what they did best. Um, So there are some people that work with us who are great at reading scripts and giving notes. There are some people that are great at finding the great new writer or the great creator and helping us produce their projects some people that are great with actors, some people that are great with musicians. In other words, everyone has a different talent. That was really fun and exciting. And, um, you know, in terms of the clients we represented, all of the clients I worked with at my former management company came with me and I brought. And there's a lot of stars. I Mm. mean, there are people that, (laughs) you know, we had worked with from the beginning of their Mm. careers. Laura Linney, since she graduated from Juilliard. But then there were other people I've worked with, Jen, for about 12 years. She was already a big star. Then there are people that you pivot. So Selena Gomez, six years ago, wanted to do other things. So it was about helping her grow. Mm. And then there were a lot of people that I have known or worked with for a long time. Mark Ruffalo, Billy Crudup, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd was one of my very first clients back in 1994. Amazing. Yeah. So yeah. it was it's it was really exciting. Well, yeah, and I think that's good context on the story because you know you'll say like Gwyneth and this and that, but like it was way back when when you were truly spotting talent. Um, so you mentioned that you have eleven employees now. When it comes to hiring and finding those right people, like you mentioned, what what is your hiring process? What do you look for? Like how do you? I mean, you're obviously spotting talent on one end, but you also have to spot talent for yourself. Yes. So tell us about that. That is the most important thing for me. And a lot of times I feel like the apprentice system is one of the best things because one of my partners, Zach Morganroth, started as an intern, then became my assistant. Then uh, I promoted him and fought for him at Brillstein. He became a, a young manager. And then when we started Lighthouse, at that point, he had been working for about seven years and he was such a star. It's the same thing as spotting talent on the in front of the camera. He was innovative, creative, incredible with the details, um, had great taste. 
So, and we had a shorthand. So mm-hmm. he already knew all of the clients that I was working with. That is my favorite way to do it. So right now, um, there are a couple of managers that were my former assistants, and they are such superstars now. I mean, it's incredible how much they've grown. And I think being at a small company that's entrepreneurial and that really, for me, I think the ethos is find what people do best. Don't expect everyone to do everything and and build the talents they do have and encourage that. And then build a team where everyone has a different talent. Mm-hmm. So for the client, they get the benefit of experts and just um, inspired people in each in each aspect of their career. So when I'm hiring from the outside, it's hard because um, you never know if people are going to be as hardworking or as just if, for them to get it. Mm-hmm. And usually I like to go and find people who are at agencies because being an agent or being an agent assistant is a lot of volume and it's quick. And we have so many incredible people doing so many things that I can't have people that are slow. I mean, I need people that are able to multitask (laughs) and handle a lot. And what do you do when you have three people calling at the same time? And um, how do you get more than what a normal person gets done in a day? How do you get done what four people do in a day? So sometimes it's by referral. Uh, And the other main thing that happens is the younger people at my company will recommend the people that they work with at the agencies that they really like. Occasionally, I'll hire somebody from outside that field, but rarely, Mm -hmm. because I feel like being an agent's assistant is really good training. Absolutely, yeah. So kind of picking from the pool in a way. Um, So obviously, you've been an agent, you've been on the casting side, now you're a manager. All of these positions have negotiation at their core, and I'm sure you're negotiating massive deals for your various clients. One of the things that we talk a lot about on the podcast is the art of negotiation on both sides. So whether you're an employee trying to negotiate, whether you're the boss trying to negotiate with a client, whatever it is. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, negotiation comes from confidence mm-hmm. and being able to play your, you know, hand right. So what are your top negotiation tips and what are some things, what advice can you give our listeners? You know, each negotiation is different. And what I say is you have to read the energy with each person. It's sort of like walking into a party and and reading the energy of of, of people. Um, a lot of the people I'm negotiating with, I know them. And so we've worked with together. That is really helpful. Um, and I think the main thing that you want is for both sides to feel like they won and no one to feel like they were screwed mm-hmm. in the negotiation. I'm a very aggressive negotiator. I feel like my job is to get my clients more than anyone else could get them and to really fight for them. And a lot of people don't do that. They're uncomfortable doing that. So I have no um, fears of asking for a lot for them. And if I know that there's money on the table or certain things on the table, I will make sure that we get that for them. And I just had a very big negotiation recently, which was really interesting. It was for Billie Eilish for her documentary. And um, it was really fun because her team and Interscope really explained what was important to them. They had five things that were important to them. So every time I called one of the buyers and I was saying, here's what we have, this is what we're looking for, that sort of eliminated uh, uh, several people. Then um, it became about convincing them why this is a great thing for them, what it what it represents for them. She's a cultural icon. It's more than just a documentary. 
It's really being part of culture and really having an opportunity to get millennials and younger people to join their platform or to go see what they're putting out there. So it's larger than just, I'm selling a movie. But, you know, sometimes I'm really forceful and other times I'm much more of a listener. And um, sometimes if there's someone negotiating with me, a lawyer or an agent, they'll be the bad cop and I will sort of listen and and try to have a different point of view. And in some cases, it really becomes personal. I have on occasion said, this is so important. And if I can't deliver this, I don't know if I'm going to continue representing this client. And frankly, that's not always true. But I think it becomes a personal thing then mm. because no one wants to see the person on the other side lose something, right? So that is another another thing. But a lot of people could care less. So you really have to know your audience and it helps if you've had previous experiences with them. I will say I rarely come back to my client where they're not thrilled and we haven't gotten more than what they originally thought. Hey everyone, it's Carly from Work Party and I want to talk to you about Zola. Zola is a wedding company that makes wedding planning easier and less stressful with wedding websites, registries, invites, and a guest list manager all in one place a much-needed time-saver during the busy wedding planning process. Zola allows you to build and customize your entire site with free wedding website designs. There are hundreds of designs to choose from, and each comes with matching wedding invites. You can include stories, photos, accommodations info, and even an FAQ section to cover questions about plus ones, bringing kids, food options, you name it. What truly sets Zola apart is it's the highest rated registry of all time. You can register for gifts, experiences, and even honeymoon funds. It's great for your guests too, offering free shipping and returns, price matching, and group gifting. As an avid wedding attendee and someone who takes great pride in their gifts, this feature is a dream. Did I mention Zola does wedding save the dates plus beautiful affordable invites and paper? They have thousands of budget-friendly options to choose from. From invites to save the dates to day of paper to thank you cards, you can build your entire wedding suite with Zola. They'll even help you collect addresses and track online RSVPs with their free guest list manager. You can count on Zola to bring in every detail of your magical day to life. Right now, Zola is offering work party listeners a special offer to make their wedding planning process quick and painless. Sign up at Zola.com slash WorkParty today to get your free personalized paper sample. Then use code SAVE50 to get 50% off your save the dates. That's Zola.com slash WorkParty and promo code SAVE50. Zola has helped over 1 million couples get married, and they can help you too. Searching for the perfect gift is stressful, especially if you take your gift shopping as seriously as I do. The holiday season can be so overwhelming expectations can be high, and you never want to disappoint. But do not worry, Dollar Shave Club is here to help. They're the brand that brings quality razors and grooming products to men and women around the country. And this holiday season, they've got an epic lineup of products that the men in your life will love and actually use. My go-to gifting product is the Ultimate Shave gift set. This set is incredible, and it includes a six-blade razor, four replacement cartridges, exfoliating scrub, yes, smooth skin, their customer favorite shave butter, and post-shave dew moisturizer. Literally everything you need for a close-cut, irritation-free shave. I've already bought one for my husband, David, and I know he's going to love it. 
Trust me, this one's a guaranteed hit. Check out Dollar Shave Club's holiday gift selection right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash workparty. Order before December 18th to arrive by the 24th for all you last minute shoppers and you will get free shipping. These gift sets are limited and will sell out. So trust me, you do not want to sleep on this one. Once again, that's dollarshaveclub.com slash workparty, W-O-R-K-P-A-R-T-Y, dollarshaveclub.com slash workparty. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the Apple flagship series, The Morning Show. It was the biggest deal in television history. Uh, not only did Jennifer Aniston star in it, but she also got executive producer credit, all of those things. Can you talk us through that deal? Yes. Because um, I know it was like a big moment for women in Hollywood. It was a really exciting um, thing because when I originally heard from the producer that he had the rights to this book, there was nothing there. And Jen has been approached by so many people in the last decade about doing a television show. And nothing has really been the right thing. So what I loved about this idea was, okay, what a great opportunity for her to play a very public figure with an, an amazing love from the public. But how is how are we going to see behind the scenes and her life being an absolute mess and the difficulties of having that balance, her relationships— and all the struggles for her as a woman in a male-dominated industry. So I felt like there was a lot of relevance there. So the next step was Reese Witherspoon came on. They knew each other. And we really wanted them both to be executive producers, mm -hmm. which the original producer was thrilled. And then we started thinking about who, who will be the writer. We brought that person on. And then we pitched it to Apple, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, all of the big streamers. And again, a couple people came out right away. HBO only wanted to give them the pilot commitment, and then they said, let's see what happens. Netflix and Apple were the final two contenders because they were willing to match Jennifer's um, salary at the end of Friends, which was a million an episode. And going into this, Jen and I knew that that's what we wanted. Everyone else said, you'll never get that. That's not what the industry you know, does anymore, which is accurate, by the way. Mm -hmm. No one has ever paid that much to an, to an actor. Um, and then we added another million for her as a producer. So it was a million one, and they were favored nations, which meant they get equal pay, which was also important to us. But Apple ended up winning this because they were starting a new platform. So they were excited about starting with a bang and having the two most iconic actresses, right, star in this. And um, so the deal, I think, was better for Jen and Reese, and they they got ownership in the show because Apple was starting a new model. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like thinking about who would be the best partner in terms of all the things that they were willing to do that they had never done before. And um, for them, it was, okay, maybe we'll pay more than everyone else would pay because we need this, and this is an incredible opportunity for us. So that was— that was really exciting. And I think having a partner like Jen, who was willing to let it go if she didn't get what we decided was was fair, really helped. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times an artist will say, I can't lose it, I can't lose it. And then you might not get that magic number. And And frankly, we may not have gotten it if Apple weren't starting this incredible venture. And so that was really exciting because I think for two women who've been in this industry forever, to get the creative control, to get the financial um, 
you know, backing that they deserved was really exciting. And I think everyone then looked at that as the benchmark that they wanted to um, get to. Absolutely. And, you know, with the changing landscape, which we were talking a little bit about earlier, you know, previously, and I'm sure you've experienced this, it was like, actors act, but now actors invest, they produce, they have companies. How has that diversified landscape changed your job um, day to day in terms of, you know, truly being a, a wider business consultant, not just industry specific? You know, it's been so much fun. I have to say it's exciting because when you become an expert in one thing, you're not really challenging yourself. And I have some clients, it's different for everyone. So for Billy Crudup, he's an incredibly well-trained theater actor. And so he's enjoyed doing theater and then film early in his career. And then he started doing television just recently. And his performance in Morning Show is transcendent. I mean, it's extraordinary. So first of all, getting clients to think about all the different mediums. And what I always say to them is it doesn't matter if it's stage, film, television. It's about the writing and it's about whom you're going to work with. Who's the director? Who are your co-stars? So that's the first kind of diversification. But having people like Jen who become really powerful ambassadors to brands like Smartwater, Avino, that has been really fun. And it's about finding authentic partnerships and really helping them create businesses. So with Living Proof, she was an owner um, of that company. And because her hair is, hello, I mean, (laughs) it's like a star in and of itself. So she tried the products. She believed in it. She went to um, Cambridge uh, where the people that were creating it were Mm -hmm. MIT and Harvard professors. She saw what was different. So it was a really organic, exciting um, thing for her. And for Selena, that's another good example. She was always doing music, but she wanted to sort of move in a different direction She wanted to get involved in fashion. That was something she had never really done. So the first step was, again, using somebody that I knew from other clients, Kate Young, who's one of the best stylists in the business, bringing her on to kind of change Selena's relationship with clothes, Um, getting her the first opportunity with Louis Vuitton by going to the shows, starting a small relationship, which then blossoms into a bigger relationship. And then in terms of producing, that was really exciting to say to Selena, you have a voice, you have an audience. So recently she produced Living Undocumented, this documentary series at Netflix, which is, you know, some of her relatives came to this country as immigrants that were struggling. So she felt a real kinship and that was an incredible opportunity for her. Um, So, you know, Jason Bateman started a company that is incredibly successful producing and for him directing film and television. So I think it's about broadening and and helping people really realize their dreams and showing them what else they can do with their platform. Using, in Selena's case, Puma, where she's an ambassador, they are funding incredible work in Kenya to build schools for girls. Um, She started um, a, a foundation for lupus, And she gave a dollar from every ticket sold from her tour to this foundation. So it's really using what is authentic and building Mm -hmm. a major platform for people in the endorsement space, the ownership space, acting, writing, directing, producing, all of it. So you're obviously insanely successful, super busy. 
what do you attribute your secret to success being? Like, how do you stay grounded? How do you stay motivated? Like, what every day when you wake up, like, why? What is what keeps you going? You know, the people I respect most, I think, not just in this business, but in life, are people that are passionate, that want to do their best, that care deeply about what they're doing, and that they really enjoy it. But there's a humility. For me, I'm more attracted to people that have that they're humble, that they're grounded, they're real, and they never forget kind of how they began. So that's easy for me to do. I I like to kind of lead with my heart and emotionally connect to people. And I think deep down, even the most successful people have the same insecurities, worries, problems as anyone else. And um, the better people are at what they do, I think in a way, the more humble they are. So I think that's something I've always um, admired. And in terms of, you know, I grew up with immigrant parents that spoke five languages and were incredibly successful and motivated. So even from a young age, I was just taught that don't do something unless you're going to do your best. And it doesn't mean it needs to be the best, but it needs to be your best. So that's something I really look for. If somebody doesn't have a passion and a drive, I'm not interested in, in really working with that person. And it goes with my talent too. I want talent who is ambitious. I want them to care. I want them to care about the quality of the work and not just be doing it for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. So we end the episode with some uh, rapid fire sentence finishers. So uh, the best advice I've ever received is? Is um, make yourself indispensable. Love it. Um, One thing I want to be known for is? generosity and kindness and honesty. The one person I'd love to manage is? Timothy Chalamet. Oh, God. I mean. Just just, um, so brilliant, Mm. but also emotionally present. Yes. Um, The biggest sacrifice I've made for my career? Time. Mm. I mean, I think everyone says this and everyone feels this. Balancing a family, whom frankly is the most important thing to me, I probably don't get to see my friends, the the people I love that are not in the industry as much as I would like. And I probably don't do as many things for myself, especially being in the service industry. There's a little bit of guilt when you take time away because I can always be doing something more for my clients. So that's the the biggest thing. I feel that on a very, very personal level. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. That was fun. Yay. Have you bought your copy of Work Party the Book? Part career manifesto, part practical business advice, Work Party the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur. The ups, the downs, the things I learned and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the Book does not shy away from the nitty gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party, the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at Work Party. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on workparty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening. And as always, work hard, party on.